today is the third Sunday of the Christian season of Advent. And Advent means coming or arrival. And we celebrate two Advents of Christ during the season and really every day. The first Advent happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to us. And the second Advent is the one we're still waiting for when Jesus will arrive again to recreate everything and make us wholly one with him. Now, all of us are invited and even called by God to make Jesus our hope. None of us are more worthy or less worthy to encounter God today. There's no chart with God that puts some of us closer and some of us farther away. We're all on the same ground. So whoever you are, wherever you've been, welcome. God's spirit is here. Let's meet with him.
washed away. So when we see you, so when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away.
praise just with a feeling of joy and longing and you know, even just keeping your hands raised if they're raised. I'm just going to read this part from Romans 8. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now not only the creation but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly adoption for the redemption of our bodies in this hope we are saved and likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness we don't know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and what shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us I'm sure that death nor life angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can we just sing that chorus one more time? We'll praise his name forever. We'll praise your name forever. We'll praise your name. Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Devour widows' houses and for a show make many prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put watched the crowd, putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. The poor widow came Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all give out their wealth. 
As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Welcome, everyone. Um, I hear today is going to be a, a wet and rainy day. There's going to be like three to four inches of rain around 4 p.m. So just, just a public service announcement to get home before the rain starts pouring down. Uh, but here's some things that are helping us uh, as a community become more like Christ, but also help us to become more of a community that he has called us to be. And so... Uh, last week, uh, if you remember, um, where we talked about one of the practical things we can be doing um, in pursuing justice is sending postcards to representatives uh, about just us as a community grieving violence. And so uh, on, a p on uh, our welcoming table outside, we actually have those postcards available. So uh, you can take one. Uh, we also have a list of our local representatives here. So please take one with you, uh, take one for a friend, and, and prayerfully consider sending them to our local representatives. Uh, last week, we had an interest meeting for our Bailey's Crossroads outreach. Uh, and so for, for those who don't know, this is a community uh, mostly filled with Afghan refugees. And as a church, we've been praying about hey, how, do we, how do we reach uh, this community? Uh, with a lot of language, cultural barriers, a lot of felt needs. Uh, and so we, we asked our, our interns to actually go and live there. So they've been living there, and they've been thinking about, hey, how do we, 
how do we love on this community? And so there was an interest meeting last week. Uh, thank you for those who went. Uh, I heard it was really powerful. Uh, they did a refugee simulation uh, that, was, that was really powerful. And so if you guys are interested and couldn't attend, uh, they're going to do another one in January. And so please be on the lookout for that. Uh, we also want to say thank you for those who served at our carpenter shelter, um, uh, serving uh, their evening meal last night. Uh, I heard we had we had so much food that we prepared, that that the the the, the shelter staff is taking it and bringing it to another shelter today, uh, and so we want to thank you for for you guys coming together uh, and just loving our on our community. Uh, just a, a few upcoming things that we have. Um, uh, as a church, again, we really believe in the power uh, and the gift of prayer, uh, and we really believe our call to pray unceasingly. And so on Tuesday nights, we pray together at 8 p.m. on Zoom, so we want to invite you guys to come and join us for that prayer. For our next two services, next week is the 24th already, 24th and then 31st, uh, we're going to have our joint service with our Tyson family, our, our site at Tyson's, they're going to come and join us. And so uh, come, bring, if you're in the area, bring your family, bring your friends. We would love to just worship in this Christmas, Advent, Emmanuel season together. Uh, on the first Sunday of January, uh, we're going to have uh, the watch so for those who, who have been with us, I, I've actually never been to a watch yet. But the watch is a time of in-person prayer, of in-person extended prayer, where we're not only seeking the Lord, we're spending time in worship, and we're spending time interceding. Uh, and so it's going to be just an awesome time of just seeking the Lord, waiting on him, and just doing the work uh, of the Holy Spirit. So that's going to be the first Sunday of January, uh, the 7th. That's going to be at 4 p.m. So please be on the lookout for, for location and all those details. Uh, end of your giving. Uh, if you have been blessed to be part of this community uh, or blessed, yeah, if you've been blessed in this community, uh, there's a couple of, of giving options. Uh, you can find all of that info on our website. Uh, but just to remember, like, the tax season of December 31st, if you want to take advantage of that. Um, but if you have any questions, you can email our treasurer. Uh, it's treasurer at greatcommissioncc.org. Uh, and we just want to thank you in advance for your generosity uh, in God's work here locally, but also God's work around the world. And so thank you for your partnership. Uh, we usually do a prayer dedicating our giving here, but today we'll be doing that later in our service. So for now, let's open our ears to the word of God. All right, good morning. Good to see you. All right, thanks. Um, so we're in the season called Advent, as Pastor Chris was just saying. Um, two Advents by the King uh, Jesus. Two Sundays ago, we meditated on Isaiah 58's picture of true worship that previews and prepares for the coming advent of Jesus. And last Sunday, it was Micah 4's picture of the kingdom of Jesus, a kingdom of peace, not violence. Today, we're looking at another Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 22, and Jeremiah's message about King Jesus, four kings. 
And the title of this uh, Sunday's meditation on Jeremiah 22 is What Jesus Says to Kings, the Gospel for the Wealthy and Powerful. Uh, please, let's pray together as we start. God, you are more powerful than any other. Your voice is to be heeded more than any other voice. Your voice deserves more attention than any other voice, no matter who they are. So we come to you, Lord, to listen, to be attentive to you. We are ready for you. We're thankful that you speak to us, that you're in our midst by your Holy Spirit. And so through your spirit, Lord, we say, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of all. Amen. Um, today, we're, like I said, we're talking about Jeremiah 22. We're talking about what Jeremiah says to kings back then in Jeremiah's time, thousands of years ago. We're also going to be talking about Jesus the king and who and what kind of king this Jesus is. And then we're going to talk about us. All right, so we're going to be talking about kings back then. We're talking about Jesus and we're talking about us. So please turn with me to Jeremiah 22. Um, by the way, we don't typically um, like project our um, scriptures, um, and partly that's by intention um, because we want to just encourage uh, each other to, to actually open up the Bible either on an app or a paper copy, um, just be familiar with it, um, and also just to you know be following along continually as we, um, as we meditate and as we worship. So uh, we're reading Jeremiah 22 today, starting in verse 1. We'll go to verse 17. Um, yeah, yeah. what is Jeremiah's message to these kings and rulers, the haves of that time? So we'll read 22, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of J Judah and speak, these, speak there this word. Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants, or you could translate it your council, and your people who enter these gates. So this, this passage that we're reading is spoken to kings and leaders, those who have power in this land. Verse 3, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Right? We talked, um, I think, the week before about how the verbs that go with justice and righteousness as well as unfailing love and mercy is do. Do. Um, English Bibles translate that word differently, but in Hebrew, it's kind of the same word every time. Do or execute or practice, but just do. That's what is that's what happens with righteousness and justice. It is done. Do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. Also, this is another word that gets translated in different ways. It could be translated stranger uh, or sojourner or immigrant sometimes. Uh, do no wrong or violence to the alien, the, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. These, this is sort of a stock phrase, and it's basically referring to the most vulnerable of a society. The immigrant, the, the stranger, the orphan, the fatherless, the widow. 
nor shed innocent blood in this place. Verse 4, for if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. Basically, your rule will be prosperous. Verse 5, but if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. I swear by myself, declares the, the, the Lord. Why does he swear by himself? Because there's nothing higher than himself to swear on. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. So like, it's this, you're, you're this great thing. Yet, surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. It's a terrifying message of reversal. Kings, you're, you're the highest. You have the choicest trees, etc. It's all going to be destroyed. Verse 8, and many nations will pass by the city, and every man will say to his neighbor, why has the Lord dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. Verse 10, weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him. But weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. That is someone who's been exiled. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah's father and who went away from this place, who was exiled. He shall return here no more. He won't come back. But in the place where they have carried him captive, there he shall die, and he shall never see this land again. Verse 13, woe to him. Again, Jeremiah is talking to kings and rulers and a ruling class. Verse 13, woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness. These are the words of the Lord who swears by himself. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not give him his wages, who says, I will build myself a great house with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Do you think you are a king because you compete in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord? But you have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing or doing oppression and violence. That's Jeremiah 22, verse 1 to 17. What is Jeremiah's message to those kings of that time, those rulers of that time, the haves of that time in ancient Israel? The message is, woe to you. Woe to you. The message is, no one's going to grieve for you when you're gone. The message is this command in verse 3. Do justice. Do righteousness. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the stranger, the fatherless, the widow. Do not shed innocent blood. 
It's this terrifying promise in verse 6, 7, 6 and 7 that is Jeremiah's word to these kings. I will make you a desert. I will prepare destroyers against you. Again, it's verse 13 and 14 and 17. I'm going to read these again. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor servant for nothing and does not give him his wages. You have eyes and hearts only for dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood and for doing oppression and violence. Woe to you. And in this message, there is also a little word about what does a righteous king do? What's the opposite of that? And it's spelled out in verse 16 and 17. Something like your father, this current king that Jeremiah is talking to, his father did. He did justice. He did righteousness. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. That is, he, was, he took care of them. He wasn't irresponsible. This is what a righteous king does. And the message of Jeremiah to these kings as ruling class is, that's not you. So woe to you. Woe to you. And basically, in this little passage here, we have a drama that God and Jeremiah are presenting. And this drama is this. Our kings, because this is spoken to the kings, but it's, you know, for public consumption. It's a word to all of us, even though it's in this Bible. It's not just a private message, but it's addressed to these kings. The drama that God and Jeremiah are presenting here is that our kings are oppressors. They don't do justice. They don't do righteousness. And people suffer. The whole society suffers. And woe to these kings. Woe to this people. So what's going to happen? Is that the end of the story? Uh, and we're just going to continue. We're just going to flip the page to Jeremiah 23 or flip the screen or slide over. Jeremiah 23. I'm just going to read one verse, 23, verse 5. And there's more woe. Verse 1 to 4 is woe to these leaders. But in verse 5, he says, Behold, the days, of, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Chapter 23, verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, that is this Israel, a righteous branch, a righteous vine, or you know, part of the line of kings, a righteous king. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely, he shall do justice and righteousness in the land. So did Jeremiah's prediction come true? Yes. Because the land was devastated. Because people were taken into exile. Some kings didn't make it back, and, and some kings are recorded in history as terrible kings. But also in 23.5, there is this promise that there is a righteous king coming. And did that promise come true? And we say yes. Uh, as Christians, in Advent especially, we say yes, because God did raise up a king who did and who does and who will do justice and righteousness. This is Jesus. All right, um, we're going to look at a bunch of passages, um, uh, especially in the New Testament today. And I'm just going to um, just read some. You can, I, I encourage you to flip with me. Um, this is Luke 1. This is Luke 1. And we're talking about Mary. Mary, who is part of the nativity scenes, the mother of Jesus. Mary was also a prophet and a singer, apparently. And um, in chapter 1 of Luke, we have what's known as Mary's song, sometimes Mary's prayer, but often understood as Mary's song. And um, in this song, she declares, not just predicts, but proclaims 
who her son Jesus was and what her son Jesus brought. And it's basically reversal. I'm just going to read from verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm, the Lord. The Lord has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. This is who Jesus is. You know, look at the New Testament. It describes Jesus as lifting up the materially poor as well as the spiritually poor. People who don't have wealth and people who don't have spiritual wealth and people who don't have either. They're lifted up by Jesus. People who are oppressed by human rulers and human governments and people who are oppressed by spiritual demonic rulers and people who are oppressed by both are receiving from Jesus. I'm just going to look at Acts 10, 28. Um, I'm just going to read this quick verse, Acts chapter 10, verse 28. This is Peter's summary of Jesus' life. God anointed Jesus with power and with the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God is with them. That's Peter's summary of Jesus' life. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 talk about how Jesus freed us from, Jesus freed us from oppression, and specifically the oppression of the devil. I'm just going to read these just two verses, chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Jesus himself partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He's talking about a spiritual oppression here. Ephesians 6 also tells us about a spiritual enemy, a, a devil. Like, do you know who hates everyone made in God's image but is especially cruel to the poor? Do you know who is the trailblazer? Do you know who is sort of the OG of oppressing the stranger, the fatherless, the widow? It's the devil. That's who the devil is. He's that demonic spirit who rules the darkness of the world, the one that Jesus calls Satan or the devil. So we are not ignorant or unaware of the devil's schemes. Jesus also frees people from oppressive human governments to see what he does to King Herod in Acts 12. We won't turn there, but this king just is struck down. This oppressive king, this king who loves, like, you know, realpolitik, he, he's just struck down. See what he said and did about the Jerusalem temple in that passage that we read earlier, that Jerusalem temple that devoured widows' houses instead of taking care of widows. And see what he says to the church, like all over the New Testament, about how important it is to take care of the widow, the fatherless, the materially poor, the oppressed. See, this is a message to kings, to rulers, to a ruling class, to haves, people back then, but also it's still here and it's still a message to, to us to kings and to ruling classes, to people with wealth and influence and power, to haves today. And I, I think it's important for us to ask, it's necessary for us to ask, what does this passage, what is Jeremiah saying to us today, to us who have some or a lot of wealth and power? You know, people who are haves in this world. You know, because I think Jeremiah and the Lord is... They're challenging us just like they challenge ancient Israelite kings and rulers. Because unrighteousness and injustice are not just things from history. 
they are realities here and now, not just an ocean away, but here and now. And we need change in Christ. We need change through this king. We need change in the spirit of this king, the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and I don't think the Bible is just, you know, I, I know we live in D.C. and many of us, you know, work, um, many of us do work related to, like, making laws and keeping laws and dealing with lawbreakers and so on. But what we're looking for is more than just better laws. Okay, we need more than that. I think the Bible is calling us to more than just better laws. God is calling us to a different way of life. God is calling us to a different heart. You know, we need heart changes, both individually and together. You know, if individual people, kings and ruling classes, are going to do justice and righteousness when they haven't done that before, they have to have a heart change. They need more than righteous laws to do righteous things. Yeah, righteous laws help, but we, we need more than that. We need heart. We need motivation. We need values to be transformed. You know, and we're not just wanting individual people's hearts to change. We need groups. We need communities. We need, at a societal level, change. Because groups need transformation of our collective heart and our collective will, not just kind of laws to make us do certain things. And I think a good way that we can think about this is it's just basically changing our culture. You know, we're looking for culture change. You know, like we need... We need all kinds of cultures in our world to change, and this is what we're looking for. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we're praying for. This is what we're trying to live out. You know, we need all kinds of cultures today. We need, like, CEO culture to change. You know, just really quick, like, really quick example. I mean, and I, anyway, I, just, like, not that long ago in the U.S., like, just, like, a generation ago, like, there used to be, like, a limit to CEO income, like salaries. You know, it wasn't a law thing. It was just a culture thing, a CEO culture thing. And they'd, you know, hit these bonus marks, but they'd refuse their bonuses because it would put, put themselves, like, over the salary that they had sort of marked for themselves. It wasn't law. It was just a culture. And, you know, the culture today, it's CEO culture today is different. It's maximizing. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not bringing this up to say that all CEOs in our culture are going to be judged by Jesus you know, if you're a CEO, you know, like, I, I don't know. But, like, I, I think if, we, if you're a CEO, you got to take Jeremiah seriously. You know, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You know, just tread lightly, you know. Like, we need cultures to change. This is an example. We need cultures to change. We need campus culture to change. We need military cultures of nations to change. We need the commanders and wizards cultures to change. You know, we need our families' cultures to change. We need our church culture to change. You know, some of you who have been praying for your families this way, for your, not just individual, but as a family, for our culture to be a certain way, to change. Keep praying. Keep acting on your family with the kindness and truth and power of Christ. Keep doing that. We need church culture to change. Some of you pray seriously. I know some of you are people who pray seriously for the larger church to change its culture. Some of you pray seriously for the cultures of your company or industry or school, cultures of our cities and social networks to change. Amen. Keep praying. This is who we are. We need people in churches who pray, who do, who influence for the sake of 
transformation in individuals, but also transformations of our culture. Like, be, let's, as a church, let's be influencers. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it has to happen through Instagram or TikTok, and you have to learn a dance before you talk about the poor. I don't know, maybe that'll help. But I'm just saying, we, we need more from the Lord. This is what we're looking for. And you might not consider yourself like a ruling class. You're not, you may not consider yourself all that wealthy or powerful. You know, you might be like, Carl, like, I'm 23. I'm an intern. Is Jeremiah really speaking to me? But overall, I think that we can say that as a church, like as, G, as this church, GCCC, thank you, G, you know, as a church, as a community here in Pentagon City in Arlington, Virginia, in, as part of Northern Virginia, who live, you know, most of us, I think, live in, in well-to-do areas, perhaps gentrified areas. I think overall that as a community, we can say that we, we can honestly say that we are people with resources, with upward mobility, with wealth, and with, even with power, with a voice. So with the power and wealth that we have, what are we going to do? I think that's Jeremiah's message. When we read Jeremiah 22, that's a question we ask. It says, people with some wealth, some power, maybe a lot of it, what do we do? And I think the way God shows us in terms of the way to do, the way to live, is at least twofold. Number one, honor Jesus as the real king, the only king. He rules now already in very real ways, but his rule is also not yet. And when he comes again, his rule will be complete. And when he comes, and he has come, and when he comes again, you know, he will execute, he will do a great reversal. That's what he says. He says uh, the first will be last, the last will be first, the high will be low, the low will be high, just like Mary sang about. So what is our response? As Actually, I mean, I think when we think about it, we're probably like the high that will be made low. So what's our response? Like, be humble. Be humble. Rule, like as much as you rule, as much as you have power, as much as you have privilege, use it with fear. The end of Psalm 2 says, kings, rulers of the earth. It's another part, another part of the Bible that's addressed specifically to the haves. It says, kings, rulers of the earth, be wise. Serve the king Jesus Serve this king with fear. In fact, kiss this king lest he be angry and you perish in his wrath. Don't think you can get away with unjust wages. Don't think you can get away with violence. Don't think you can get away with oppression. Don't think that you can get away with taking advantage of the defenseless because you can't and you won't get away with it. And this is a message we need to take to heart. Again, maybe you're, not, maybe you're not like, you don't consider yourself powerful or elite or whatever, but just, I think, all, just again, as a church, you know, not just as individuals, but as a church, generally speaking, these kinds of messages, like the kind of message in Jeremiah 22 is one that we really need to take to heart. So first, how do we do this? One, we honor Jesus as a real king, the only king. We are humble, and we tread fearfully before him. And number two, a, a very concrete, real way that we honor the king, that we honor Jeremiah 22, 
is by imitating our King Jesus. And in fact, that's what human beings were meant to be. We're made in God's image. That is, we're made to be God's representatives, God's agents, standing for the king, pointing to the king, imitating the king, being like the king, living out the king's image. You know, we follow Jesus, our king. His ways are our ways. We don't follow them perfectly, but we, I think it's still genuine. You know, our imitation of Jesus isn't perfect, but, but I think it's real. You know, and it's, again, it's not just that we're like do-gooders or we're activists. We're, we're followers of Christ. This is who we are. You know, like, we, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, just look at Christ, don't look at the church. Look at Christ, don't look at the church. We can't say that when Jesus says to us, I want people to look at you. And when they look at you, to see me. That's who we are. You know, we're not called to be idealists about the church, like live in some kind of fantasy land, but we are to practice hope for the church and to live genuine, if not perfect, but genuine, like, imitation of Christ. So if Jesus, the king, defends the vulnerable, if instead of exploiting them or ignoring them, he protects them and even lifts them up while cutting down the powerful, then what do we do? You know, we're not talking about something that's, like, tangential and secondary to, like, the real gospel of Jesus. You know, I know that there's many in the larger church who might say something like that. But we're talking about what Isaiah, what Micah, what Jeremiah, what Jesus talk about. We're talking about what the early church talked about. And, did, you know, just real quick, Galatians chapter 2. I'm just going to read this, Galatians chapter 2. Um, I'm just going to read verse 9 and 10, but basically the Apostle Paul is telling his story. He's defending his ministry, his preaching to non-Jews, and he's talking about how existing leaders in the church supported him, even when there's so many, like, cultural questions about, like, whether or not non-Jews had to become culturally Jewish to follow Jesus. This is the conclusion of this part. Verse, verse 9, uh, James and Peter and John, who are pillars of the church, um, perceive the grace that was given to me. Like, they saw my calling. They recognized my calling. And that he, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. That Barnabas and I, my partner and I, should go to the Gentiles, and they to the Jews, the circumcised. But then verse 10, he says, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. It's not just like, oh, we have all these cultural questions. So, you know, and, and maybe the poor, you know, is, is part of that. But no, he says, this was the one thing that they asked us to do. We had disputes about this and that. We weren't sure about this and that. But they asked us to remember the poor. And when he says remember, that's a very loaded biblical word. Like, it's like, remember me, Lord. Like, remember me in wrath, in mercy. Or in wrath, remember mercy. I'll remember your word. It's not about like a passing, like, oops, help me not to forget. I almost forgot. No, it's about living with that thing or people, with that person in your mind and heart. So again, if Jesus the king defends the vulnerable, if instead of exploiting or ignoring them, he protects them and even lifts them up, then what is Jeremiah's message to us who have some power, who have some wealth, who have a voice? Do we use what we have mostly to protect our own wealth, to protect our own upward mobility? Or are we going to use our resources? Are we going to keep using our resources and power the way that Jesus uses it? 
I'm just going to tell like a real quick story. There's a church in San Francisco in the Bayview neighborhood of San Francisco called Redeemer uh, that started a school. Actually, there's a book that was written about it. This guy, Jonathan Tran, who teaches religion at Baylor, he wrote this book uh, last year about um, this project, the school. And this church, Redeemer, is uh, mostly Asian-American. You know, I, I don't think it's actually that dissimilar to um, our church, actually. Um, some of them are, are grads of, like, Stanford and Berkeley. Um, these are well-educated, upwardly mobile people. And they're, but they're living in this, um, they're living in this sort of under-resourced area of San Francisco, uh, the Bayview. And they decided to do something about the inequalities that they saw continuing and maybe even growing. So instead of focusing on trying to get their own kids into like magnet schools, et cetera, and sort of hoarding their resources, they started a college prep high school and middle school for under-resourced kids in their neighborhood. And that school started about seven years ago, and this spring they had their first graduating senior class. You know, now like a bunch of people in the church were educators already, so it made a lot of sense for them to like minister this way, start a school, that's a good idea. And I'm not bringing this up so that we as a church can like, like listen to this, so we're going to start a school, you know, as much as I'd love to. Like, I, you know, and I'm not bringing this up for that reason. But I just bring this up, it's just like, I just tell this little story about them. Because like, isn't it Christ-like? You know, isn't it? a beautifully concrete communal action done by Christ's body. Like similarly, like a few months ago for us, you know, Tony shared here about one of the, you know, he, he shared the story a few months ago of how one of his former students in D.C. who started college, but like a lot of kids couldn't scrape together funds to like continue going after their first year. And uh, he talked about how he put her situation up on our church's Facebook local page. And then within a few hours, people had donated enough to get her paid through the year. I mean, no scholar from Baylor wrote a book about that. But isn't that, isn't that Christ-like? Isn't that like a beautifully concrete communal action by Christ's body? So today, a concrete and real way we are leaning into our imitation of Jesus, the King, our partnership with Jesus, our imaging of Jesus is by giving to and praying for those who are more vulnerable in our region. And the specific group our church has in mind as we planned Advent uh, as a season is a group that we minister to already through our partners at Little Lights. And just in a moment, I'm going to invite Phil Lee, who is, uh, I think he's been part of GCC for about like seven years-ish. Um, and you may know him from like Thanksgiving football, or you've made him, you, you might have seen him like lead music, but he's going to come and talk to us uh, a little bit more about uh, Little Lights and the communities they're a part of, and then lead us in prayer. Uh, also, I want to reiterate what Pastor Chris said earlier about the postcards that are on the table outside, uh, encouraging our elected leaders to work toward decreasing gun violence. You know, we, we talked, again, last, sun, uh, the, yeah, last Sunday about how, or the, yeah, about how King Jesus, from Micah 4, how Jesus replaces violence with peace. And these are really simple postcards. We projected them a second ago without arguing for any kind of specific legica uh, legislation, just saying that we believe in human worth and we believe in ending violence. And this is a way that we're being followers of King Jesus. You know, so Phil is going to come up, but before he does, I'm just going to ask us to pray, uh, just using our own words. And just in our own way, just to humble ourselves before Jesus, the one King.
the king over kings, the ruler over any ruling class. And just I encourage you to simply acknowledge that Jesus does righteousness and justice, that this is who he is. And just say, in some ways, just, just say from your heart with sincerity, just like, King Jesus, I, I, I don't want to be a hoarder. I want to be a giver. I want to be someone who seeks your kingdom and your righteousness first. That we want to be this as our priority. And just thank him for his rule now and his full rule when he comes again to us. So just for a moment, just please, uh, just pray using your own words. Let's humble ourselves before King Jesus. King Jesus, you are a a king, a God, a Lord who does justice, who does mercy, who does righteousness. We praise you and we honor you. And as followers of you, we're thankful, Lord, to participate in the things you do and the heart that you have, the culture that is in you. We're thankful. Lord, as we continue here now, as we continue our worship, even right here, right now, Lord, we trust uh, in your presence, and we trust in that, like, dynamic presence of yours changing us, like, really changing us, Lord, making us endure and persevere in your way, causing us to give ourselves more deeply to you and to others. Lord, we're thankful. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to invite Philip, though. You can come on up. Um, Here you go. You can, you know... I know we didn't give anyone like a hand or anything, but Phil's like a very uh, special visitor. He's usually at Tyson, so could you give him a hand? Hey, uh, good morning. So, yeah, my name is Phil, and uh, I am usually at Tyson's on Sundays, but uh, um, Carl asked uh, me to come and uh, lead our corporate response and, and prayer today, especially for our ministry partners at Little Lights, um, uh, mostly, I think, because I serve on the board there, so... Um, but uh, today we are we're gonna we're gonna do justice and we're gonna act like Jesus um, by praying and praying for and blessing little lights. Um, some of you are givers um, and volunteers with little lights, but for those who are uh, unfamiliar, um, little lights is a ministry that provides long-term, year-round support and services for three DC public housing communities, uh, specifically the communities at Potomac Gardens. Um, Hopkins and Benning Terrace, and um, these public housing neighborhoods are predominantly African American, and the families there um, often struggle to exist on uh, on about uh, about seventeen percent of the median DC income, which is about fourteen thousand um, bucks. So, Little Light since nineteen ninety five um, has been building these trusted relationships, they've been in the communities, they sit with the people, they live with the people, they, they're they there, they've been a, kind of a steady presence. And so um, they've established programs for children, youth, adults, um, focusing on academic youth development, tutoring, mentoring, 
or more recently, a college and career program to help high schoolers get ready for, and even in college, continuing with kind of um, supplemental tutoring, so because that first year can be especially hard. Um, they do economic empowerment pr by providing jobs to the communities. Um, there's um, uh, kind of uh, programs where they've started a landscaping team to provide jobs to uh, to, to people um, to people in the community and um, and relational support. So, um, Little Lights also provides donation-based uh, anti-racism training um, for the broader community. I think many of many of you or some of you um, may have taken those classes. And so today. Um, we want to bless the widows, fatherless, um, as Jeremiah implores us to. Um, we want to defend the cause of the poor and needy. So uh, we as a church are doing a special special fundraiser this season to defend and bless them through our partners at Little Lights. Um, so as a, as, a, as a church, we support Little Lights at about $5,000 a year, um, but we'd like to launch a special opportunity to raise additional support for Little Lights this season um, and raise $10,000. Um, so would you consider uh, making a special gift above and beyond your typical giving to GCCC and support Little Lights today or um, before the end of the year? Um, I think we're going to watch a short two-minute video from the founder of Little Lights, uh, Steve Park. atheist in high school and college, but I had what you'd call a walking depression. wasn't really a joyful person, um, but I got through and, and got decent grades, uh, but had very little deep sense of hope for the future. I came back to the D.C. area after college, and I went through an incredibly bad drug experience after college, uh, and it was an existential crisis. I went through spiritual warfare and fear, and I didn't know where to turn. Um, Ultimately, I had a very powerful experience of compassion through my sister that really changed my outlook on life. I remember telling her how depressed I was. I was um, scared. I was fearful, in some ways suicidal. Uh, but she embraced me with this incredible tenderness physically and gave me a hug that just led me to break down weeping uncontrollably for 30 straight minutes. And it really opened my heart to what true compassion was. And I realized compassion really is the most important thing in life. And as a result of that experience, I, I started volunteering and then working with kids in a low-income neighborhood where my parents owned a business. And I, I really fell in love with working with the kids. But I also saw that there was a lot of need in the community, of need for relationship and academic support. Um, and it was one young man named Daryl. He was an eighth grader, a football player, big kid but couldn't read a Dr. Seuss book in eighth grade. And that really broke my heart to see him struggle um, to read these one-syllable words. And, and so I, I felt convicted to, to support students like Daryl um, and started Little Lights as a, a Christian tutoring and Bible study program inside my parents' business in Northwest D.C. Let's, let's pray and uh, please join when I say um, King Jesus, you defend the stranger by saying, King Jesus, you defend the fatherless and the widow. Um, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to the work of the staff and volunteers at Little Lights. 
to provide much needed hope and compassionate action to underserved families and youth. We thank you for their steady decades long presence and steadfast love in these communities. We pray for your continued mercies and justice to overcome systemic challenges of affordable housing, economic opportunity, and proper education. King Jesus, you defend the stranger. King Jesus, you defend all that we see. Lord, we are thankful for Little Lights' high school seniors who, rec who recently found out, or will soon find out, that they've, that they've been accepted to college. We thank you for Jeffrey, a senior who has received college acceptances and financial aid to attend without loans. We thank you for Tyrone, a senior who's gotten into college and is waiting for financial aid news. We're thankful for the staff and tutors who have helped them to this point and who work tirelessly to navigate the complexities of applying for financial aid and scholarships and finding low-cost school options that will allow the students to go to college debt-free or nearly debt-free. King Jesus, you defend the stranger. You defend the fatherless and the widow. Lord, we pray for the kids and families in these DC housing projects. We pray for protection from gun violence. We pray for healing for brokenness within family and community structures. We pray for their joy for their victories from you, for you to use them powerfully to bless this city. And we, would, and we pray that they would be finding blessing from this city too. King Jesus, you defend the stranger. King Jesus, you defend the fatherless and the widow. Lord, we commit Little Lights' ministry to you as they keep following your paths, as you keep teaching them your ways, let them persevere. Let them be wise. Let them be attuned to your voice and leading. Let them have a posture of surrender unto you. Let them have sincere faith and love in the Holy Spirit. King Jesus, you defend the stranger. King Jesus, you defend the fatherless and the widow. Lord, as a church, would we act through Christ's love to give hope and provision to those in need? Open our eyes to needs around us in our community, and specifically to communities that sit close by, but that are outside of the spacious upper rooms, the ivory towers, and ivory communities that we insulate ourselves in. Soften our hearts to have compassion and generosity to those in need, and let their, being, their pain be our pain, their struggle, our struggle. May we be known by our love for those around us, love that is sacrificial, love that is understanding, deep and steady. May we be effective advocates for those who need advocates. King Jesus, you defend the stranger. You defend the fatherless and the widow. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you again, and as the Lord leads, please make a donation to Little Lights. Um, you can do, do it directly on their website, www.littlelights.org, or uh, you can also find their site through the GCCC website under Cause and Local Partners. Um, I think we'll be 
we'll be giving our offering prayer now, um, dedicating our regular giving to the church, as well as committing ourselves to giving our wealth rather than hoarding it, um, including through little lights. So let's, let's pray then. <clears throat> God, uh, we recognize that this giving is a power collision in our worship. We live in a culture that often loves and honors money, while it often ignores and dishonors you. As we give, we are saying something about money, status, and self-absorption. We are declaring these things to be limited powers with many false promises. And we are saying, all things belong to you, God, and that it is more blessed to give than to receive, just like Jesus taught us. The most important thing we seek are you and your kingdom and your righteousness with trust in your power and wise provision. We worship you through Christ, the righteous king, the just judge, the prince of peace. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is a cup of blood, of my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As we eat this bread and we take this cup, we remember Jesus' death on our behalf until he comes again. Giving himself uh, for us. Emptying himself for us. And remembering that and living into that ourselves, uh, we celebrate the goodness of who Jesus is. The goodness of our king. So I invite you in a moment, we're going to just say this summary of, of Jesus' story. And then after we do that, if you are a follower of Christ, we invite you to come take the elements at the front. And also there's a table on the back. And um, you can take it back to your seat and um, take, eat, drink, and worship the Lord um, who is so good. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven. Please come.
Lord, we praise you. We hail you as king, as king who has come and king who is coming again. Friends, church, image of Christ in this world. Go forth in power, in love, in justice, in righteousness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Stop at the welcome table. Thanks. Bye.